There's a new collective bargaining agreement, and there's so much to talk about. We broke it up into two podcasts. In this one, me, Keith Smith, we're talking about how guys might get overpaid by the Boston Celtics, why they might start throwing some money around because of the new collective bargaining rules. It's complicated, but we're going to explain it right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rainy J's, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network where it's your team every day and I am here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast drop directly to your device. Whichever app you use, this podcast is there. It's also on YouTube, so watch it. Hop in the comment section, join the conversation. I'm John Corrales, former professional basketball player. Now I cover the team for Boston Sports Journal and there's so much to get to here. Keith Smith and I just had a conversation for an hour and 15 minutes. Too much to get to, too much for one podcast. We're breaking it down. How the collective bargaining agreement impacts the Boston Celtics. This podcast is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. In this podcast, the rules that will take away a lot of the things that the Celtics use to make their team better. The mid-level exception will be going away for them. The uh, ability to make certain trades will be going away for them. They're, they're, the way they trade first-round picks, going away for them. How will that change how they do business and build a team going forward? They're trying to build a championship now, uh, a championship team, but they're trying to keep that championship team intact. What you want is not just the one championship. You want a dynasty. You want Banner 18, 19, 20, 21. How can they get there? Things are changing significantly, and it could change how they do business with each player. It's all going to happen right now. Let's get to Keith Smith of Track to start explaining the impact of the new collective bargaining agreement on the Boston Celtics. Keith, is this like, I don't know, like a birthday, a holiday for you? New collective bargaining agreement. Let's sink our teeth into this, man. Like, you're the most popular person in the NBA right now. It's like it, you, Bobby Marks. Everybody wants to see these guys. Like, oh, what, what does this all mean? What does it all mean? Yeah, it's um, it, it it's not quite like the start of free agency or the trade deadline or the draft, but it, it's fun. It's cool. Being completely honest, I wish it wasn't hitting at the end of the season as the, we're gearing up for the playoffs. I could yeah. I could use that not being the case. But at the end of the day, we have a new collective bargaining agreement. There's going to be no work stoppages. So I'm super excited about that, um, you know, as every single basketball fan should be. And then, you know, the, the exciting part for me is when we'll get the actual document and I can really dive in and start figuring out what this stuff is. Because right now, all these drips and drabs through like a tweet every two hours is like, yeah, you know, so it's like, let me get the real thing and like dig my teeth into it. And I'll, I'll, I, you know, it's funny. I was joking with my wife. I was like, I might go like 
up into the mountains and not shave for a week. And then I'll come <laughs> back and emerge with all the CBA details and all that. And just right. kind of, you know, bury myself in it. So is that what Gary Kuhn does before he re he updates his, uh, <laughs> he might. his FAQ? Like that's, that's like the Bible for me. It's like, uh, I don't, too. I don't, yeah, it's, it's just like, I, I don't know. Uh, what is this? What was that rule again? You go up to Larry Coon's CBA FAQ. You, oh yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's I, nice I to have some good. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but I, how I learned the CBA when I was like, I'm going to learn this thing. I'm going to do it. I actually reached out to the NBA. I cold called the league office and I was like, can I get a copy of the collective bargaining agreement? And they're like, no. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so then I was like, all right, well, Cole, call the NBPA. And they were like, this was before they had a copy posted online, which now they do. And yeah. the NBPA was like, sure, send us $3 in a self-addressed mailed envelope <laughs> and we'll send you a copy. So I, I did. And like two weeks later, I got a bound copy of the CBA in the mail. And what I would do, because I'm not a lawyer, so the, the lawyerese there like trips me up all the time. But I would go through it until I didn't understand it. Then I'd go to the FAQ, and Larry does a great job translating it into English for yeah. all the rest of us. And I would go through it there and be like, "All right, I think I kind of got it." Then I'd go back and reread it in the in the actual CBA itself, and just go. And the, I, I, I unfortunately through a series of moves of houses, I've lost that copy. But I had it all highlighted and tabbed and indexed and everything else. So it was that that was how I learned it. Was you know the oh. FAQ you know was necessary, and I still refer to it all the time. Just when I'm like. Huh, this thing comes up like once every four years. All right, yeah. let me make sure I know what I'm talking about on this one. Well, now you get another three bucks <laughs> out of the mail and you get yourself another bound copy. I mean, yeah, what, I mean, you, what fun is downloading a PDF when you can have the bound copy? That's it, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Now nah, I've all transitioned. Right. I'll do it all online now. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I need that three bucks for Dunkin' Donuts. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Which now gets you like a medium coffee. Yeah, I know, right? It's, With nothing added to it, yeah. It's I just know. Come on. It's turned into old man yells at clouds pretty quickly. All right, <laughs> let's get into this collective bargaining agreement. So Stuff that directly impacts the Boston Celtics because it's locked on Celtics. And we're, we want to get to the highlights of the things that are going to change how the Celtics do business because that that's going to be the big thing. And the, the, the number one thing for me is this second apron this $17.5 million above the tax line. So what we have is the tax line, the apron, that $6 million above the line, that stays. That's what the hard cap would be for teams that do a sign and trade or use the full mid-level. Then for you know teams that don't do that, that go beyond that, there's this $17.5 million, which if I understand this correctly, now all of a sudden there's no mid-level. That you mm -hmm. lose your mid-level. So the highest taxpayers are going to lose elements to help build their team. Can you get us a little bit deeper into what that the impact's going to be there? Yeah, you're spot on it. The first portion of this, and I, I like to second tax apron seems long and cumbersome to me. So I'm calling it the super tax. Yeah. I just I like that, right? We've got super max. I like get the, the apron. Max. I don't know why. Yeah, like, it's weird. This doesn't make yeah. any sense. Just yeah. Yeah, call it something else. I but. asked somebody about that once and like, oh, it's a very commonly used term in, you know, the finance world of, you know, because an apron covers something else, even though it's a and it's above another thing. And I was like, okay, blah, 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 blah. That's blah. 
Put it, put, put it in, anyway. like make us understand it. So yeah. yeah. So there's the tax line, the hard cap line, yep. and then the super tax, as you call it. I like yeah. that. I'm going with <laughs> so, so super tax, as you said, 17.5 million above the luxury tax. What's going to happen in, in that is the first piece we know is you'll lose your mid-level exception. That mid-level exception for next season projects to be about $7 million. So that's taken completely off the table. You won't have that. In addition, what we've learned, what's been leaked out, and I'm sure we're going to learn even more, you, if you are one of these super tax teams, you cannot send cash in a trade. So that means essentially you can't buy a draft pick, right? right. So that's that's a, that's you know part part two of okay. that, if you will. You also cannot um, take in more money than you send out in a trade. In NBA trades today, even the the most expensive teams, you can still take back about 25% more in money than what you send out. So the easiest way I can do that is send out 20 million. You can, you can take back 25 million in a trade. Yeah. Now you've got to take back less or even. Even is almost impossible in the NBA because most deals go all the way down to the dollar. Yeah. But even saying you got to take back less, that's tricky, right? Because now you're kind of stuck. And there are a handful of trades one of which is the Malcolm Brogdon trade may or may not have been able to be made the way the Celtics built out their roster ultimately. And they probably would have been able to tweak it and figure out a way because they ended up above where they are today. If this existed right now, they're above that super tax line. So they would not have been able to bring Brogdon in because in that trade, they sent more money out than they brought in in the trade. And that's generally how it works on one side. That's also how like trade exceptions are created and all these other things. So just relating it to the Celtics. So you can't, you can't take more money in or you Correct. can't send more money out. You can't take more money in. You can send okay. more out and take back less, but you cannot take more money in. Okay. Another one related to the Celtics, they would not have been able to do the Mike Mascala deal. As minor as that deal may have been, they sent like nothing out in that trade because it was uh, Justin Jackson's minimum salary. And even then the trade was structured so that they sent Jackson's salary out and brought Mascala in into a trade exception. So like technically the way they did it is they brought Mascala in for nothing. So in that deal, you would not be able to do that because you're bringing more salary in than what you sent out. Wait a second. Sure. Can you not use traded player exceptions anymore in that situation? Very, very difficult to use them in that so, situation. So the TPE, so you have a 10 million, you create a $10 million TPE and yep. you, you, that doesn't count anymore. Like you, you can't, if you're above that, you can't use a traded player exception. Correct. If you're in, in the super tax. Yep. If you're a super tax team, the way I understand this right now, and, and I should have caveated all this is, we don't have the document yet, so there's going to be other things we're going to learn and figure out. But the yeah. way I understand it right now through many, many conversations over the past couple of days is, yeah, you would not be able to use that because you're above. You cannot bring more salary in than what you sent out. Technically, when you use a traded player exception, a TPE, you're not sending anything out because you're just bringing the player into that. You're sending something, right? And in right. Jackson, Mascala. You know, thing, but yeah, minimum so, salary, a pick, something, yeah, something pick, yeah, you draft rights, whatever it is. Yep, yep. Well, that, so you, okay, yeah. So that's pretty restrictive. The that other, hurts. It does. The other restrictions are 
Um, and we're still kind of finding out what this looks like, but you're not going to be able to trade first round picks that are like way down the line um, is what it sounds like. It sounds like right in today's world, you can trade picks up to nine years away. That's the NBA's kind of kind of window. You wouldn't be able to trade picks that are that far out um, in that window. Um, there. So, or I guess seven year window, you wouldn't be able to trade a bunch of picks out just to bring in players. So the example I've been using there, Kevin Durant trade one, it would have been Knicks because they took more salary in than they sent out, but also you're not allowed to just start loading all your draft picks in to a trade to make a trade to bring guys in. And then the final restriction that we know of today, um, which is this one is, I think it sounds worse than the impact really will be. These teams are going to be restricted from signing players on the buyout market. Now, I've asked people, how is this going to work in this situation? And what they said is, what they believe it will be is, if a player is waived after the trade deadline, but before the signing, the the like March 1st waiver deadline, so buyout season effectively is what that is, mm-hmm. you would not be able to sign that player because they were waived in that period specifically for bio purposes. So what they're trying to do is basically say, hey, your super tax team, you can retain all your own free agents. You can sign all your own guys. You can draft and develop. You can do all your stuff, but you're not adding outside talent unless it's through a trade that is you're sending out more than you bring in or you're – bringing in guys on minimum contracts because that's going to be essentially what you're limited to outside of draft picks. All right, so much more to get to with Keith. We'll get to how some of these guys are going to start making potentially more money, but that's going to be how the Celtics help build their team. It, it's it's a lot. So bite-sized pieces for you. We'll be back with more next. First, Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. I've done it. Uh, it's it's not just about NBA. I want to go to a Red Sox game. I want to go to a, a Bruins game or a WNBA game. Uh, it, getting tickets, it can be tough, but game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of the things that you want. Sports, music, comedy, theater with killer deals on last-minute tickets. There are flash deals. You don't have to sit around and say, okay, Uh, it's April. Maybe we want to go to a concert in June. You don't know if you want to go to a concert in June, unless it's like one thing that you, one act that you know is coming through. But maybe, maybe just tomorrow night, you feel like going to a thing. Maybe you're bored tonight. Maybe you're bored next week. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Guarantees that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section, in row for less, game time credits you 110% of the difference. So you get these exclusive flash deals. You can get images of your seat before you buy so you know what to expect. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, boom, you're set. They're sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your emails. Snag the tickets without stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA to get 20% off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked On NBA for $20 off. $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so that is a lot to digest. Yeah. That's a lot to digest. Let's say, so 
the Celtics would not have under these rules, which are going to be folded in eventually. Like this doesn't yeah. hit right away. Yeah, and that's sorry to interrupt you, but one other thing with this too is there's a belief that this is going to be phased in over time. It's not like we're going to hit July one and all of these rules are immediately going to be effective. Right. Anytime they make major changes to the functionality of the cap or the tax within the CBA, they phase those in in order to give teams basically an opportunity. Hey, get your house in order. Yeah. Right, so we'll see how long it takes for all these to be there, but ultimately, this is where we're headed down the line. So, assuming all of these rules were in place, so you touched on a couple. So they they would not have been able to sign Danilo Gallinari, correct? They were they not. Yep. Okay. Yep. They well, would not- that one it's tricky timing wise, right? We'd have to go back and I'd have to look at our what was their salary at the time they made these signings and all those things. But in general, yes, they gave all the their collective major moves, and we'll take the the little stuff out, the Jacksons and Noah Vonleys and all that, because those were minimum signings. You'd still be able to do those. The bigger deals landed them ultimately over this seventeen point five million over. So that's where, yes, in those cases, yes, they would not have been able to do those things. Boy, this just does disincentivize teams from spending all that money correct you you basically are you the, the league is basically saying you can't be you, the the warriors it, it, basically the warriors and the clippers have have this is the warriors rule this <laughs> yep. is the warriors rule um the you know you can't bring in they could not bring in dante DiVincenzo. they couldn't correct. have done anything basically the warriors just the entire front office take the summer off because well they could have signed to michael green Bill, <laughs> but oh, yeah, because right. he, he was a minimum deal. But yes, it, right. you would have been limited to minimum deals and signing your own draft picks, and that's it, effectively. So we're going to again. See you fewer, could make trades, but it's you. You got to send more out than you bring back. But yeah, we're going to see fewer draft picks get traded. traded. Yes, correct. We're see fewer draft picks traded because yep. because like the Brad Stevens plan. Brad Stevens <laughs> has has come in and said, "Eh, don't care about first round picks. You can get a first round pick." For Brogdon, we can get a first round pick for Derek White. We'll 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 do the first round picks. It doesn't really matter. Al Horford, get you know, give up Kemba, give up a pick. But now you're going to need those first round picks, and we'll fold in another element to to this deal. Uh, the two way, uh, there, there's another another two way spot, and a, a second round exception that's going to be added, so teams can go into the second round. And and find players and and sign players and and maybe develop those guys. But so your draft picks are going to suddenly become a little bit more valuable because instead of signing a guy two years from now, three years, like the Celtics, all of a sudden, I, I'm, I'm like my brain is churning right now. <laughs> so the Celtics have their upcoming draft picks for the next couple of years. This summer. Any thought of, well, we can just now trade another draft pick and bring in some help. Either they say, we're going to start, we really got to put an emphasis on trading for the guys we can trade for now and signing mid-level guys that we can sign now. And hopefully that carries us through the next three, four, five years because that's going to be the team. Eventually those those things are going to go away. And then all of a sudden those draft picks that they gave up the Celtics down the road are going to be like, ah, wish I had that first round pick because now that becomes valuable. So mm-hmm. this is this is the danger, I guess, of operating under the old collective bargaining agreement that expires 
And having a mastery, I think the Celtics front office does a great job of having a mastery of that. And they play that thing like a fiddle. And then all of a sudden, the, the collective bargaining, bargaining rate comes on. And you go, okay, here's new sheet music. Yep. Uh, we're no longer <laughs> playing classical. We're doing uh, the pops. We're doing, you know, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, that That's going to be something new. And you're going to be like, oh, I got to learn this whole new thing. And the other things that we were great at, actually, you end up future screwing yourself. <laughs> you can. For sure. Because those I first round picks are going to be val- – you're going to need to draft. And drafting and developing yes. feels like that's going to be – did did the Thunder write this collective bargaining <laughs> agreement? Did Sam Presti just write this for, for <laughs> so, everybody? It's funny you say this. They've been the team I've been using as an example all day long because what people have said is like, who's going to be negatively impacted? By this who's going to be like this is great let's go and what i've told people is obviously the negatively impacted teams the two that jump to the forefront are the warriors and the clippers and if we go back to let's go back six months or so there was rumors the nba in the cba negotiation wanted a hard cap they wanted to say this is the absolute rock number you cannot go over it we knew the nbpa had they not given up on that we'd be headed towards a lockout or a strike. They would just be a mess because they were never going to agree to it. So what they did instead was, if you're the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors fight against this all along has been, why are we being punished? Because we have drafted and developed better than almost anybody over the last decade in the the league. Because what I think people miss with them is, the only key rotation guy they didn't draft on that team and I take DiVincenzo and Jamichael Green out of the mix because everybody has mid-level guys. Everybody has minimum guys. The only guy they didn't draft and develop is Andrew Wiggins, and that was smart salary cap management of turning the Durant salary slot into sure. the Andrew Russell, turning that into Wiggins. Everybody else, Curry, Thompson, Green, Looney, Kaminga, Poole, they drafted all of them, and they developed all of them into really, really good players. Mm-hmm. So what the Warriors' point was, so you're going to tell us we're going to lose guys because we're good at this? So what they've done is they've, they compromise was, okay, you want to keep every guy you draft? You want to sign them all to $40 million contracts? Go nuts. You are welcome to do that, but you're not going to get Dante DiVincenzo then. You're not right. going to be able to trade. I, I think Andrew Wiggins brought in slightly more money. You wouldn't be able to do that deal. That, that, that's how they're trying to level the playing field a little bit of you can't be a draft and develop team and super expensive and able to re-sign everybody because let's face it, a team like OKC, they may hit a point where, you know what, we can't afford Giddy and the Williamses of the 15 Williams on the roster and, you know, SGA and Dort and Chad Holmgren and whoever else they unearth and find. Because we just can't, we're Oklahoma City, right? We're a small market. We can't pay. You know, we can't go $200 million deep into salary plus tax penalties. It's just not possible for us. So what they're doing is they're re-leveling the playing field basically to say, hey, we're going to cut off the teams at the top. You can't do all of this. But you can still, if you want to pay to keep your guys, you can keep your guys. But everybody else, you know, 
this is how we're going to redo it. And what they've done is they've beefed up the mid-level exceptions for the the the, uh, the teams that are going to have those. They've beefed up the room exception. They've you know added that's going to go up. 30% but plus the rise that it's going to go up anyway. So probably about somewhere 38% higher than what it was um, today. It's going to be about the range of the taxpayer mid-level. So what they're doing is giving those teams, hey, you want to go? And I think the idea is, I think the NBA has kind of looked at this year and last year, and maybe even the year before, and kind of said, kind of like this. We don't necessarily love walking in on October 1st at training camp and saying, well, it's Warriors-Cavs, and then we get to June 1st and it's Warriors Cavs. What was the last seven months for? Like we're yeah. all right back, right yeah. where we'd land. I think they like the idea of, Hey, we got a little bit more parity and they wanted to be able to say, Hey, super expensive teams. You want to pay to keep your own guys. You can, but you're not going to then add salary through trades, add salary by signing guys and just keep going up and up and up and up. That's not going to be how it goes. Now to use the thunder as an example, I think what's pretty cool with them is, so this summer, they've got about $28 million in cap space, $28, $30 million, pending where draft picks land and all that. They are sitting on, they probably only have about one or two roster spots to fill this summer. And I think what you're going to see is the teams like that that are on their way back up, right? They've, they, they tore it down, they rebuilt, now they're on their way back up. They're going to be, they're going to be like basically incentivized to go for it earlier, like, Go spend that money, much like Philadelphia a few years ago when it was like, it's time to start winning. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's spend $19 million on J.J. Redick. And everybody's like, what are you, morons doing? Why that He's a <laughs> million-dollar player. And Philly's like, yeah, but we only need one guy. So we can overpay him. And we overpaid him on a short-term deal, so it's not going to hurt us for years and years to come. So what Oklahoma City is going to be able to do is, all right, what is, what, what is the one thing we need? You know, we need a rim protector. We need a shooter, whatever it is. And we only really have one roster spot to fill. All right. Hey, one year, 20 million. And then yeah. we'll just kind of keep rolling forward with that. And we'll figure it out as we go. And what they're going to be able to do is build it up, build it up. And then eventually their decision will be, all right, now we're, we're approaching super tax status. Is it time to, all right, Lou Dort's aged out. Let's move on. Cause the thing with the warriors that people miss is yes, it's amazing what they've done. But part of what's amazing is, we're a decade into this and it's still going like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not, that's not normal, right? We're not going to see guys still hanging on in their mid thirties playing at, you know, all NBA level and all defense level. That's just not normal. So it's, if it happens, great. You can keep them all, but you're going to have other penalties to work along with, you know, beside it. Okay. So that's interesting. By the way, side note, I'm pushing Damian Lillard to OKC. I want that to happen so bad. Um, but anyway, that's a side note. That That's for the Lockdown NBA podcast. <laughs> All right. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up this portion of the CBA explainer and how it impacts the Celtics, how they're going to be able to build their team moving forward. More with Keith coming up next. First, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is therapy done online. And I'm a big proponent of therapy. I know that going through therapy has helped me significantly. And it's something that I'm continuing to do. It's something that I am, uh, I know that the, the daily stresses of life, very easy to get you down. But it's also difficult. You're busy. You, you don't know who is around your area. You don't want to say, 
I'm limited to two or three people in this area. Therapy can be done better by going to BetterHelp. That's better H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. They do it all online. If you want to switch, this is a very important thing. If you find somebody and you want to switch, you can do it. If you want to, if you find somebody and you want to do it on video, you want to do it over the phone, you want to do it over text, it can be tailored to how you want to do it. You can fit therapy into your life and however you need to do it, however you want to do it, however it works for you, you can do it through better help. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. And like I said, switch anytime, no extra charge, no nothing. This is about getting you the little bit of help that you need to maximize your potential. You want to be your best self. So discover your potential with better help. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA. If you visit that, you get 10% off your first month. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. It really puts the Celtics in an interesting spot here because they're they're going to pay. I think I think Jalen Brown as an All-NBA player, I think, I, I, feel, I feel like that's kind of not, not done done, but the, the, the feeling that I've, I've been seeing just in the conversations is that he's, he's an All-NBA player. I so, completely agree. So yeah. that, that'll be, and we'll talk about Jalen later, but right now it feels like he's going to get 35% of the cap. Uh, and in a couple of years, when the new TV deal comes up, um, and this is another thing we got to talk about, because there's going to be a cap smoothing, and th- there's a Jason Tatum element to that, but mm-hmm. you know, instead of instead of Jason Tatum getting a I don't know billion dollar contract, he's going to get like a <laughs> seven hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, like, oh. like, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny. It's funny because Tatum is going to be like the guy who he's going to be super rich. He's going to end up being a billionaire, and it's not going to matter. But mm-hmm. also, he can sit there and be like, I didn't make All NBA. I got I got screwed out of millions there. <laughs> They cap smoothed us when, you know, they didn't cap smooth the last time. I got screwed out a hundred million there. Like he could have even more money. Yeah, he's gonna uh, be like, Deuce was playing in the driveway instead of in a private gym attached to the house. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, what a rough life. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the net effect here with all of that is the Celtics are going to have trouble uh continuing to add to this team. Correct. This team that we're seeing that they they have this summer for sure. They have this summer to add because they're not they're not just dumping all of this on teams. As now. far as we know, no. There's gonna be some form of phasing. We don't know what that looks like, but yes, it's it's not just all gonna land on July first and hey, good luck. You'll figure it but out you you know, in a matter of days. It's just not yeah. how they do it. You can't do you can't say here's April, you've planned all this time, and now all of a sudden this thing is gone. Yeah. Like, you know, you, 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 here's your warning. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like everything must go. You got, you got two weeks to, to clear the show. <laughs> so I kind of look at it as what they're probably going to do is give them basically here's some of it, 
but the rest of it, it's coming in a future year. And what's going to happen is you basically have a year in two transaction cycles, which will be the off season and the trade deadline. Get your stuff in order and pick your direction. Yeah. And then, then it's coming, you know, the, the next year after that. And we'll, we'll see, you know, and it may be, you know, 17.5 million may start out at 25 million above. And that comes down to 17. Yeah. We'll see how they get there, but they're going to phase it in. It's not going to be instantaneous July 1st. All right. Hey, you seven, eight teams, you're all in trouble. Good luck. Figure it out. So th- that really sets this summer up to be super, super interesting. Aside from the Celtics giving guys extensions and Grant Williams, which we'll talk about separately as well. But guys who are out there who are free agents, they, if you want to be on a winner, okay, if you're Malcolm Brogdon or let's, well, that was a trade. But if you're, if you're that type of guy in that position and you say, all right, do I, do I sign now with a winner or do I go for my money? In a couple of years, you're not going to be able to sign with that winner. Right. The winning team, theoretically, sure. the biggest spenders are the winners, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what you more yeah, often Boston's than not. Be, yep. Right, Boston's going to be in that mix. Obviously, Golden State has been in that mix. The Clippers, Milwaukee is there. Uh, Milwaukee right is yep. there. Yeah. So so that you 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 become that super tax team because. You have guys on your roster that make a ton of money because they're that good. You've got superstars. You've got high-level role players. So you're going to have to pay a Grant Williams somewhere around $15 million. That's not nothing. So that that all adds up. Yep. I wonder what's going to be this summer when the Celtics come out and say, hey, we got $7 million, uh, you know, taxpayer mid-level. This is your chance. This is your last chance. Maybe maybe a guy who's 29. I don't know. I don't even know who I'm talking about right now because I haven't looked at it's the free agent. Tough, yeah. But a guy in that range that might be a free agent that might say, well, I was going to try to go one more contract and then say, hey, if we don't, if I don't get to that that winning team, then maybe that's a guy that goes now. Maybe, maybe that helps the Celtics in the short term. And they just say, okay, we're hoarding and this is going to be our team until it ages out. And then that's it. Then, then you're going to try and get creative with trades and all of that stuff. But there's, I don't know. I think it's, it's always hard to figure out what exactly the net effect is going to be that, that next cycle, as you put it, the next kind of business cycle, because the Celtics are, going to spend this summer trying to improve depending on how this year goes. Like either yeah. you're just adding some depth to a champion or the Celtics season gets derailed and you realize like, okay, we need, I don't know, another big, maybe, maybe Rob gets hurt in the, or in, in the playoffs and you say, okay, you know what? We definitely need another serviceable big. We're going to spend money there, but I, I'm, I'm not sure how this, how do you think this might impact the Celtics this summer? I will not be surprised if they make a provided there is a phase in and they are still able to use the taxpayer mid-level. I wouldn't be surprised if they make a signing or if they're still able to make trades or if they make a trade that's like, that's weird. Why? Like, why did they add another ball handler? Like, we've got Smart and White yeah. and Brogdon. Because I think what you're going to see the Smart teams do is you now have to play when you're in this position. It's today, tomorrow, 
and the day after tomorrow because you're having to really look at we're going to look at a big window here because what it may turn into is all right we're going to get to a point where we can't we know we're so expensive we can't reasonably add great talent let me say great established talent so what it's going to be is all right well what we may need to do is two years from down down the line we may need to trade from a position of depth trade one of those guys away to fill a hole somewhere else and that's how we start cycling through guys versus well we can kind of spend our way out of this because it let's you know say the celtics are now committed to we're we're gonna pay deep into the tax which they are at the moment they're set up to do a year from now is we're gonna be deep into the tax and we're gonna pay because this team's a title contender but it's not going to be you're no longer going to be able to just keep adding guys so what's going to happen is it wouldn't surprise me if we see a handful of teams make moves that it's like that was weird. Like, I don't really know why they signed player X because uh-huh. it is, well, you did it because we're trying to reset, you know, something down the line. And then it might be one of those where two years from now, like, I get it now. Now I get it because, because the intention was, yeah, we'll be top heavy or, you know, guard heavy or whatever it is for, you know, X amount of, you know, a season or so, but a year from them, we're going to flip player Y because we don't want to necessarily lock into a bunch of money. I think there's two other, things we're going to see happen in this spot in the Celtics may be a big part of this too is because of the idea of we can't take on money in trades. I think what's going to happen is when a player becomes a free agent, let's say that player is a $20 million player right now. Let's say it's Derek white, right? Right around a $20 million guy or brought They make in the same general salary range. Celtics may look at it and say, boy, you know, their next deal, it should probably only be 20 million again because they're older or whatever. And they may say, but you know what? We're going to give them 30 because as a $30 million player, I can trade them for a $25 million player. Where if they're a $20 million player, I can't do that. Right? So you're going to see, and I I hate to make it about, right? And I'm right, Mr. Salary Cap and numbers and all this stuff. But I don't like boiling players down to a cap number only. But you're going to see some things like that. And I don't feel super bad about it because at the end of the day, the player's getting $30 million. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. But you're going to see things like that where it's, or we don't have the, we can't go trade for a $25 million guy. So we're going to sign our own free agent to 30 and then we'll turn around and trade him later for 25. And that's how we get there. So do you sign Grant Williams this summer for the 20 million he's been asking for Mm -hmm. and overpay him? Because, okay. So that makes sense. You got your own guys. When you're when you're a super tax team, those your free agents get overpaid. Yeah. But the trade-off is so it used to be you can you can every every time I stop mid midstream, <laughs> that's another thought that just popped into my head. So it used to be that you'd want to sign a guy to that 14, 15 million dollar range because you'd be like, oh, that's the tradable contract. Yep. But now the tradable contract also so you you need you need that mid-level contract to match salaries, but now as a as a super tax team, you're going to need the bigger contract so you can send that out to yeah, trade for the guy who makes less. Yeah. So, oh, that's going to be. And an you can't go too impact. far, right? Like you can't well, give you can't. Grant Williams a max because no. then that becomes an untradeable. So that's going to be where the best front office is are going to really earn their money because it's going to be threading that needle of, are we giving them a little bit more, but it's still tradable. 
and it's still tradable without having to do a whole bunch of nonsense of throwing other players in deals and all this other stuff. Right, so that's going to be right. it because that's how you're going to flip it because you have to think differently because you can't just go into it with, we can keep adding money and add money and add money. We can't do that anymore. Now we're limited to how much we can bring in. The other so, thing, one last thing I want to say on this related to the Celtics again is we could see, let's say it's two, three years from now. And let's say, Things haven't gone. They're not sitting on, you know, banner 21 by that point. Right. right. And, you know, banner 20, I guess it would be. And it's like, all right, we got to make some tough decisions here. What you're going to see is teams are going to say, well, you know, that guy's good. And we do have no real way of replacing him because we are a super tax team. But we got to start getting our books in order. We got to be not a super tax team next year. So what we're going to do, we're going to let Derek White walk. We're going to let Malcolm, Bra Malcolm Brogdon walk because we have to, to get our books in order because that's the only way we can then go sign a guy using an exception. We can go do these other things because we got to rebalance the books. You're going to see some of those decisions happen with these teams as well. I think what they've done is a pretty nice compromise of, hey, you want to keep everybody you got? You can do it, but – there's there's real penalties to doing it. And one of those penalties is you can't add a whole bunch of other guys the way you really wanted to do that down the line. So that's going to be something that's just, you know, the, the teams that are the best about making their decisions early are going to be the ones that win here because it's going to be, I kind of think of it, the Bill Belichick approach of I'd rather cut a guy or trade a guy a year too early than a year too late. They're, we're going to see some of that where it's going to be, man, they let, that guy go or they traded that guy, you know, and that guy was awesome, but it's like, yeah, they were awesome for a year. And then the next year they weren't so good. And then right. the year after that, they're off the map entirely. They'll, the teams are going to have to read that uh, very well because otherwise you're just going to get stuck because we all know about, right. The bird rights trap. I think it was John Hollinger coined that term. And it was like, that's when all right, I have a free agent. I have no way to replace the player because I have no cap space. So I have to resign the guy. You're yeah. going to see teams back into that with this. They're going to be like bird right super tax guy because it's like, man, I can't yeah. replace Grant Williams because I have no other way. So I have to sign him to the number yeah. he wants. That was so Jeff Green. Where it is. That was Jeff Green back in the day. Yeah. It was, yep. That was that yeah. type of signing where you're like, what the hell? What? Yep. You know, yep. those types of deals. Mm -hmm. oh, Without man. a doubt. This is so interesting. My favorite thing when there's a new collective bargaining agreement is this discussion right here of what's the net effect going to be? What, and then the front office is going like, okay, how do we get around this? What do we do? Mm -hmm. How do we get this to a point where, okay, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll give Malcolm Brogdon 30 million because we're going to, we're going to trade him, And this is our way to get around that. And, and a team like OKC, that needs a Malcolm Brogdon can say, yeah, we get, that's fine. 30 million is fine with us. Yeah. Yep. And we got these, these younger guys that you can, yeah, sure. Absolutely. You could take, you know, two guys back that, that make 20 something million. And you know, that that's going to be, that's going to be how that goes. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be, wow, man, that that's going to make signing players interesting because as a player, you're going to be like, I don't want to take less money. I'm going to take more money. Yeah. Yep. But you're, but you know, when you go in there and you're Malcolm Brogdon, let's say, I feel bad for Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> because you're example. throwing him in there. Uh, yeah. You know, it's because you, know, <laughs> you say, I want 30 million. They go, yeah, sure. And you go, wait a second. 
there's usually a fight here. Why aren't you fighting yeah. me on this? <laughs> and you're like, um, and you're, you're stuck. You are trapped in a little way, not trapped because what the hell you're making $30 million a year. But at the same time, it's like, all right, I'm ready to win a championship. What the, okay. Yeah. Now I'm uh, not here anymore. Yeah. Hi, Josh Giddy. I'm Malcolm Brogdon. Nice yep. to meet you. <laughs> like I said, at the top, Keith and I continued the conversation for another like 45 minutes after this. Too much to give you in one podcast. you got to be able to digest this, process this. And we can do Q&As about this uh, where we can explain some of the stuff. We're all starting to figure this out and trying to get the ramifications ourselves. But I think this, you're starting to see a little bit of how things might work, what what the, the net effect is going to be, ways that teams can kind of get around it. The Celtics front office knows how to master a collective bargaining agreement. So very curious to see how they how they come out of this. I say this in the podcast, the next podcast, uh, but there are going to be deals that are done in the next you know couple of cycles this summer, the trade deadline, where you're like, what what are they doing? And if you're confused by it, that means we all got to sit together and think it through because they got to be taking advantage of something in the collective bargaining agreement. We still don't have the official document yet. These are leaks. These are reports. But for now, this is this is what we've got. So this is part one. So here's the schedule for this week. Celtics play the Sixers Tuesday night. Post-game podcast coming there. Celtics play the Raptors on a back-to-back Wednesday night. Post-game podcast there. Thursday is an off day. I'm, re- I'm going to release Thursday night the second half of this podcast. So you have yourself a couple of days, listen to the podcast again, get some of these points down, just go back and think about it. If you, if you are confused, if you didn't catch anything, take, you know, go for a run or take a shower, pop the podcast back on, listen to it a second time, go through it, digest it. And then Thursday, which will be the Friday show, you get another couple of days to sit with that podcast. That will be the players. How is Jalen Brown impacted? How is Grant Williams impacted? How is Jason Tatum impacted? Those things are all coming up on the next podcast. Again, that's released Thursday night. That's the Friday podcast. So make sure you're subscribed, doing our best to give you the information and explain it in easily digestible ways. Next week, when there is uh, a, a few off days and you know, while we wait for the play in tournament and all that stuff, I'll do a Q and a, maybe I'll do a double Q and a where we can get our collective bargaining questions out and we can ask some things and maybe we can work through some of these things. We, there's a lot to get to. So the next podcast is the players and how they're directly impacted. So make sure you're subscribed, watch the show on YouTube, all of that stuff, share the podcast. I'd love it. If you spread the word and tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.